Cedric, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do with the... And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. All right, welcome everybody to a Wednesday night edition of the uh, the Goat District podcast, um, a special 420 edition, and um, we've got a special guest on for you today. Uh, I think you're going to like him a lot, and we also have like a completely different cast because normally it's not Andrew and I running the show, but uh, today we're we're, we're going to put Andrew in charge because um, you know it's fun to do, and uh, and and Andrew always keeps everybody loose like we were talking about a little bit beforehand. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this one. This, this, this is this is a, a guy that, you know, if you're into fantasy football at all, if you're into dynasty football at all, you have to have been following him almost since uh, the beginning of, of your time in the game. And yeah. if you haven't been, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> that's unfortunate for you. But uh, those of us who are following him have learned a lot uh, just from – you know, just following him on Twitter, uh, just all of his tweets and everything is, is just fantastic. But Andrew, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce our guest today and uh, let's get ourselves off and running. Yeah, that's right, Dan. Just just to make it clear, when, you, when you're given that uh, vague description, you weren't talking about to me, you're talking about the guest. Uh, so, so yeah, good, great, great, great beginning of the intro. Yeah, I, who knows who I am? But uh, our, our guest has been in the fantasy industry since 2003, uh, been on the Football Guys uh, senior staff writer since 2009. And the reason we have him on, his April 1st, the, what, 17th edition of the Matt Waldman Rookie Scouting Portfolio uh, came out. And so we're really happy to have Matt Waldman, who wrote the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, on today. Matt, welcome to show. Love to hey. have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And this is this is going to be great. You know, I mean, especially any anybody who is – any group that's devoted to Dynasty is, I mean – that that's awesome you know i mean it's not redraft people playing dynasty i'm sure we all play redraft and yeah. and all that but you know it's nice every to be able to have a dynasty pod yeah every once yeah, in a while we, you want to mix we, it up a little we bit. all have our cd side you know that we have yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly you know uh, i like it yeah and I, I don't know if you could tell from the banner uh and the promo materials that we're sending out matt but our fierce leader is a canadian because he was saying uh f- f- favorite prospect with with the you in the uh in the favorite so i'm used to he, that he's one not I'm, here tonight you got the you got the inmates tonight that's yes. all right because i'm i'm the inmate relative to the canadian that got me started in this industry anyway so it's all good uh that's wonderful can, can we start there a, a little bit because i want to talk about your process for this year um what what sparked the 17 years ago desire to put together the looking scouting portfolio and then i know that you wrote a little bit about it this year um, what, what kind of has what what's been like the major change as as you've progressed over the years? Wow, you know, I mean, I started 
I, I started writing, you know, I was a, I was a freelance writer for many years, but really that was my main job was as an operations manager at call centers and then became a director in, and over quality for the corporation. It was in very, a larger corporation with about 10,000 employees. So they were looking for ways to Mac, you know, find best practices for how to evaluate performance. And so they sent me to some certification, you know, think for a week where I had to, you know, work on that in Jacksonville, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And, uh, and it was based on, you know, manufacturing techniques converted over to the industry that I was in. And so I was responsible for basically implementing a lot of that in our company and, and working with people to do that. And I was into fantasy football, started started writing about it in 2003. And I was it just seemed like my strength was always playing in dynasty leagues and playing and, and you know, looking for rookies. And but it was it was mostly like not it wasn't anything other than just keeping an eye on college football and having a slight advantage because uh, yeah. it was new at that time. So I could fall asleep halfway through a game and see Steven jackson for a few plays with my cat on top of me and go yeah i'm he looks pretty good even if i fall asleep and half my notes are like you know gibberish but you know um eventually i decided that after um after listening to gil brandt of all people on an nfl um you know dot com mock draft talk about brian westbrook and say if he was you know five pounds heavier and two inches taller he would be a top five overall pick and it made me realize that the business world is not much different than the NFL world when it comes to how people um, value draft picks, not value talent, but value like because all the things the draft capital is really a function of things outside. Talent is the baseline, but then there's all these things on top of it, like things that you can cover your assets with when you explain to um, your owner, your fans, the media, why you made this pick. So you didn't look like, an idiot for picking an undersized light guy from Villanova who had two ACL injuries, who Florida rescind, Florida State rescinded their scholarship of. Um, you could pick him a little bit later, as a, even though he might have very well been worth a top five overall pick. Yeah. So I started studying all of that and um, started realizing that I could implement the system that I used in my day job and gear it towards monitoring football and studying football players because – the system was set up to continuously improve. If you really follow it strictly, you're consistently redefining and adding what it is, the criteria you're looking for. And so I started learning about the game as I went studying these play, you know, studying these players kind of playing this gigantic game of I spy on, on word documents and, and access databases and converting it over to other things. And as the time went on, I'd say the biggest changes have been from having, I used to have one sheet, kind of one grading system that was based on um, just what things they could do, you know, but it really, I didn't think at the end of the day that they were showing how well they could do each of those things. Um, so I ended up with two scoring system. One, they're both on a hundred point scale. One is, you know, like a resume bullet points that show you all the things that they've gotten certifications on, you know, all the things that their, their school education, all the, all the highlight things that they're good at that show you the broad range of what you might want from a receiver, even though different teams want different things. And then I started to hone in on what really makes them good at each of those things. So as a result of that, now I can have players with slightly lower grades in terms of this, you know, like DK Metcalf's a guy who you don't want running routes like Odell Beckham Jr. 
um, or the type of routes that Stefan Diggs might run. But the things he does well, he can do at a wide receiver one level for fantasy leagues. And so yep. learning that kind of thing. And I'd say most of all, it's just continuing to learn the techniques and concepts of the game through interacting with a lot of um, you know, coaches and scouts and and doing my own research and really just continuing to add to what I do and read and define things. So it's really that I've gotten more granular as the the years have gone on and that that ability to go granular has allowed me to tie together things in my opinion that people always call are subjective. You know, I mean obviously what I study is still a subjective thing, but I'm trying to define it well enough so that you can objectify it as best as you can. But you know, one of the things that people always say is you can't define intangibles. And I define intangibles as the it factor, which is integrated technique, because I believe if you look granularly enough at the techniques and, and the concepts and the athletic ability, and you define it well enough that you're having basic demands of those things embedded within your criteria, then you're going to notice when a quarterback make certain reads and certain decisions, whether they do it with an intuitive level of speed and confidence, as opposed to being someone who may be more academic about it, but they do great on, you know, the whiteboard in the pre-draft yeah. meetings and they remember everything and they're, you know, they're a future accountant or a future quality manager of America, you know, but when you ask them to be intuitive about the work, when they have to think on their feet, you want the restaurant manager, you know, over here, you know, who has to like integrate a lot of different things at like quick speed so that you don't, you know, so things don't go completely sour. And there's a difference, you know, they, the NFL, for instance, I think drafts guys like, you know, Andrew and me in terms of the, in terms of that thinking, well, though with a call center, you manage a call center, it's a lot like um, managing a restaurant, but you, you have to think on your feet in that level in a way that, so that integrated technique is probably one of the biggest things that I've learned from that granularity. No, it makes sense. I you you won't recognize this, but obviously Dan will, or uh, the 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 other co-hosts will, and obviously our listeners will. But I, I was heads down myself, uh, popping back up. I'm not a tax accountant, but I I've been MIA on Dan the last couple of, of months in the Goat District, and I I just loved your response when we reached out to you, Matt. Uh, I think we reached out to you in February, and your simple response was something like. Yeah, I'm interested, but you got to get back to me after April 1st. So you're just your head down grinding the tape. But the, se- the second it was April 1st, I gave you a day. By the way, mattwaldmanrsp.com. Go go there. Buy, buy the guide. The previous year guides are there as well. But the, April 1st, I gave you a day, Matt. And on April 2nd, I said, hey, you in for the show? And, and you were all about it. So it seemed like you were really head down in your process uh, for this year's guide. So so well, well worth the money spent to, to get it then. Well, I appreciate it. And that's just how it is. People ask me how. And this is the easiest year I've had. But, you know, between December and, and April 1st, yeah. you know, it's I'm, I'm studying all year, but now fantasy is over for me for a while. And yeah. and then when you have to write everything up that you've studied in a month, you know, and, and then get the edits back and go through that. Yeah. Like usually people go, how's it going? I go, I don't know yet. I've just got my head down on praying. That's basically yeah, what's yeah. going uh, on. Oh, so good. Uh, so it's like I had you put me in the trip chamber for a second. I think like what's what's on April first, uh, but the, but then it was like yeah, obviously that, that was the that was the RSP re- release date. So that that that's awesome. So let, let's dive into it again. This is Matt Waldman RSP.com. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, Got to start here. This is this is the reason we want you on. We want to talk to you, Matt. 
you do all the film study, you grind. Look, I, I'm just watching college football to either watch Florida State lose or bet on it. But you're, you're grinding the tapes and you, you, you went into the study and you came out with a QB1, Skylar Thompson. I, I want to talk about it because I love it because I'm not even betting on Skylar Thompson. So what, what about his tape stood out? I think, again, if you even read the guy, there's, you, you, you give a little bit of this, but just, just for the listeners – um, what, what was it about Skylar and any hesitations about your results there? Yeah, and this is something that's worthwhile for people to know because the RSP is a pre-draft and post-draft guide. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fantasy player, understand that I love to look at talent without all that other stuff, like we just that I mentioned earlier. So it, I end up coming up with results that often seem far out there. Sometimes they are, but often, but often time, often enough. Yeah, the fact that I'm doing this full time often enough, they turn out to be um, pretty telling, um, yeah. it, you know. So what ends up happening is that I then incorporate draft capital later with the post draft guide. So right now it allows me to be brave with my with my assessments without having to worry about any type of group thing, because I don't look at. I, you know, I don't look at things like, say, Lamar Jackson. I had no idea that Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy until like eight months later when I started studying him because yeah. I don't pay attention to the media anymore. I'm literally just studying tape. And then if I occasionally see something, that's fine. So when I watched Skylar Thompson, um, what it was about him is that his pocket presence, pocket presence and decision-making are very important. And to me, when you watch Skylar Thompson – his ability to move in the pocket efficiently as well as dynamically and know when to bait defenders within a step of him or when to move early enough to be able to know that he was going to have to move early and get away. He played in a West Coast offense, which you rarely see these days. He played in the same offense that Carson Wentz and Trey Lance played in, which don't associate their success or lack of success thus far with the offense. Um, that has There's other things that have to do with that, but what you see is that he does have to make his line calls. He does have to make audibles. He has to change, um, you know, make changes and does that well and is and is um, fluent in the verbiage, which is usually pretty dense for a West Coast offense and the adjustments you make. So that's all good. The fact he's doing that. And then the accuracy. While some people will look at the stats, like the, the accuracy percentage stats, those are really incomplete um, contextual data. Um, there's a lot better metrics out there to to talk about accuracy in different granular ways. And his is pretty darn high and surprisingly so. So when I first watched him, I thought, oh, man, I, this is good. This guy's going to be high on my board. And I know that no one's looking at him. <laughs> yeah. But I just, you know, but you get used to that. And you just laugh. and You go, well, if he's good, he's good. And then, you know, he was top of my board after I graded him and looked at the scoring. And because I usually grade everything first. And then I tally the score because I don't want to see. I don't like to tally as I go because I think that influences. Yeah, you, you start. You start. You, you, yep. you may start grading on a curve to to, to manage. Yeah, that, that it can't be that good. It can't be that bad or whatever yeah. you do. You know, so I don't do that. I just I just go down the checklist and write things up and write it down. But you have a feeling I'm like this. I bet this is going to be a good score. You know. So then he was at the top of my board, and I was like, I looked at after you know five games. I looked at it, and then I started looking at the volume of throws I saw. And I realize that because he plays in this West Coast offense that that has him looking short to deep, which is the opposite of the way most quarterbacks read, and it's a running oriented offense too. He didn't have as many tar, you know, many attempts. Yeah. So I thought, let me let me look at some more tape. And and usually, if I really like someone 
or really don't. I watch more tape just to make sure there isn't any, you know, try to eliminate some bias or, or if the charting data I have isn't as much as everybody else's. So I watched more of it and the score was higher. Um, so after, after seeing that, you know, I did, I, he was at the top of my board. I, I call it the anomaly tier this year, basically saying it's either, he either is one of the, has the potential to be one of the great anomalies of our, of the past 10 years as a quarterback yeah. and become a good starter as a UDFA or a, or a late round pick, or he just touched all the bias points in my system that, yeah. that, that I need yeah. to improve upon. And, and there was something that I over um, underemphasized with what I saw with them or didn't notice. Now I'm more prone these days to look at that and go, he's probably pretty good. Um, okay. So, and I've, and I've asked around and, you know, I'll joke, you know, my buddy, Chad Ryder at NFL.com, you know, he watches about 700 players a year. I watch, yeah. you know, 170. So we watch things in a different way. And he's, that's what he pretty much said to me. But when I told him that what I, I had a really high score from him, his first response was, ew, you know, and then we <laughs> laughed about it. Then we <laughs> laughed about it. And then he said, I'm going to go back and look. And he wasn't all that high on him. But then I, you know, I talked with my buddy, Russ Landy, who's the head of U.S. scouting at um, the Montreal Oets and a former scout with the Rams and with the Browns. And he had talked to some different guys. And I talked to some more guys who were scouts that I can't mention because they're, you know, they're still active and protected ways. sources. Yeah. And yeah. so the the result that I got back other than you from Chad and <laughs> is that they were like, I liked him. Um, you know, okay. now Russ first thought was because if this is going to be my Ryan Nassib, because he was really high on Ryan Nassib way back then, he goes, you're going to owe me steak dinners for like the next five <laughs> years. And I'm going to just shit talk you whenever we go to Mobile. So uh, I said, good. deal. So after about four games, he texts me back and he goes, I'm all in on this kid. I like him. And so uh -huh. then he started asking people and we and and the one guy I asked who I would say is described as a Kerm Dudgeon longtime veteran scout who's known for good quarterback scouting had said, I don't have a first round grade on him because there's not enough tape for first round grade, which is usually implied to say there's not enough production for me to justify it to my um, <laughs> the, um, the personnel head because, yeah. you know, scouts have to be pragmatic. They can't yeah. reckon, you know, so he knows how to be pragmatic and, and they know that that's got to be justified. But he said, plus, plus accuracy, plus pocket presence. The arm isn't top 15 in the league caliber, but it's good enough to start and make all the throws that most offenses would ask, just not Matthew Stafford caliber. Right. And I would have given him a I would have given him a higher round grade if the production there was enough tape for me to be able to show that. And that's what. And then there was another guy who I, I know who has basically grew up in the building of a real true life NFL dynasty whose father was a scout. And apparently he mentioned him too, as like a guy without even us asking going, have you seen Skylar Thompson? You know, he's really yeah. good. And there's also an analytics guy that I can't name working for a major college team who I think feeds some information to the NFL. So we'll see if maybe anybody bites on this, but okay. it, he has him as his number one. I'm not supposed to know who that he does, but I know okay. that he does. Okay, so, I like it. So like it's, it. it's intriguing. At best, it is intriguing. Well, that's, not, yeah. again, it's just like I, you, you, op you open up the, th the thousand pages, the labor of love, Matt, and it's just, you know, he, he's the what the first profile on the whole thing. So it's like, well, 
it's almost as if like, hey guys, I know you you want to skip to the running backs, but nope, you you, you got to read my profile on Skyler first, and now yeah. I feel about it. So I I love it, and I guess and I'll, I'll skip the the two names we have in the show sheet and kind of wrap them up up into a question in a second. But you you touched on it. This is the pre draft edition to the RSP. There'll be a post draft edition. Yeah, he's an undrafted free agent. Does he just tumble down the board? Because because you're still factoring in draft capital in terms of your uh your rankings as a necessary evil. You do because this yeah. is what I this is what I like to tell fantasy players who are new to the RSP because usually they get it the first year they look at the first they look at the pre draft and yeah. they may really love that or they're like just the answers man type of people and they're like wow this is just too much even with the bookmarks yeah. and all that then they get the post draft and they're super excited about that because it's short it's got a tiered cheat sheet it has this whole thing with adp versus my rankings it has a sweet spot so if i tell you to draft nick chubb over saquon barkley in the pre-draft then i show you that i still have you know chubb number one but i'm telling you this is where you can wait to draft him and still get him at value without losing him so i do that type of work for you so that usually they invariably come back to me and go could you just sell the post-draft like instead and not do the pre-draft at all. And I, and I say, I know no. that sounds nuts. Um, and it's not just from a business decision of saying, I did all this work that informs me to do the post-draft is this pre-draft, but I'm like, just wait a, a year or two because you're going to find in your dynasty leagues or your redraft or your DFS or high stakes that the, po- the pre-draft is the truer depiction of what they could do. If you, if you subtract all the BS that the NFL does and, and the real world puts into it, it's like the innocence is, a, is that. And one day, when, one day when some player that you forgot about ends up like getting an opportunity to play a major role, you're going to have a full scouting report that's minus all that draft capital BS that's, 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 that's necessary. Well. And then that helps you more than just your rookie draft. And people usually come back to me like three years later and they go, you know, I didn't believe you when you said it. I just thought you were trying to just make sure that, you know, that people weren't going to undercut your stuff by doing this. But that I love the pre-draft now more because of that. So that capital goes in for the, you know, goes in for the dynasty part so that you have a realistic way of how to use them in the rookie draft. But then I try and recommend people that when it comes to waiver wire, um, and unknown guys who haven't bounced, who haven't really like emerged yet, forget the post draft guide because the draft's over now at this point. Go back to the pre draft guide, and that's the ta- the true test of their talent. Because if they get the opportunity, that's that's the truer measure. I like it. If if you don't if you don't love Matt at his thousand uh, at his thousand pages, you can't have him at his eighty pages or ten pages. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> 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 All right, so so um, I guess last question here in the quarterback segment: How to play this in superflex? So let me let me wrap the two names. I only pick the two names because you know they're quarterbacks two and five in your list. So Carson Strong and Bailey Zappi, a great 2021 betting favorite, just an absolute delight uh, to to bet on Western Kentucky and Bailey Zappi. But I guess the question here: How to play this in superflex? If you um, Maybe the court, maybe the quarterbacks go in round one. Maybe we don't. And again, we're going to get into running backs and, and wide receivers in a little bit. But maybe the running backs, wide receivers, dry up in round two. Is the move to as you as you were just saying, go back to the pre-draft guide and kind of look at, hey, who are the quarterbacks that I may want to take dart throws on that you like their scouting portfolios? Because again, in, in like round three or late round two or whatever it is, given that you've got a very different 
top five ish, then I think the consensus top five uh, would have it as part of ADP. Yeah, I do. And it's funny though, because every scout I and person I've talked to, it's like I hear the only quarterback I'd ever draft in this in this group is Malik Willis. And then five other people go, I wouldn't even draft Malik Willis. And then someone and each of them have a different guy that'd be the only guy that they would draft. So yeah. it's like it's been crazy this year. So because of that, um, my I agree with you that I think what you do is if there's one of the guys that the consensus likes who drops to round two, maybe you go for him as your hopeful QB one. Mm-hmm. And then you wait for those guys like Bailey Zappi, Skylar Thompson, or Carson Strong if he falls um, because of the knee. And it's not a Jay Ajayi knee thing. It's more no. of a we need a red shirt ear for him and he should be fine. If yeah. that happens, then yeah, then you can take a chance. Or moreover, maybe just take a chance on one guy and build up on wide receiver and running back this year. And if you have a 1.5 premium for tight end, yeah. maybe one of the top two tight ends in this class, uh, absolutely Trey McBride. And yeah. then and then you just kind of roll from there and just know that if I if I miss out on the quarterback this year, not a big deal because, I mean, we look at the data anyway and you talk about Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks or Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks and the hit rate is so low that while there's a desperation to get them, I, th- I think it's just better that build your surplus. If you're really – this is the thing that I think people forget. If you have already have strong receivers, already have really strong running backs – and you're not sure about the other positions in this class, just keep picking at your strength. Don't try and shore up your weakness. Don't pick for need. Keep like build. If you've got, I did this with quarterbacks, which is usually the hardest thing to do because nobody wants to trade quarterbacks or you only start. I've been in one start quarterback, start one quarterback leagues and dynasty with IDP and 40, 50 man rosters. And there's been years I'm like, I'm in that in-between stage where I was rebuilding and it's like for two years, I'm like too good to not have a too good to have a top five pick and not good enough to make the playoffs. So like I was just like, screw it. I'm gonna keep picking quarterbacks. And then you end up with, you know, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar yeah. Jackson, and 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 everyone in your league's like, um, I need a top five quarterback because Matt has all top five quarterbacks. <laughs> And and you're, he's not trading anybody. Um, and then eventually you you know you hit on some other players, but then you can say, all right, I'll trade Russell Wilson for Jonathan Taylor and yeah. and and a pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll use this pick and and a defensive player I got good at, and this other guy, and I'll get Nick Chubb, and then I'll win a championship yeah, right. with with you know with two That's of right. those two of those four quarterbacks you know that were left and. People forget that. If you do that with wide receiver, you do that with running back, they're very liquid um, in terms of negotiations with trades. And you build on that surplus. And then you can pick whoever you want to target with trades, you know, and you can be more than fair with it, especially if you're close enough to go over the top. If you spend a little bit more and maybe you it wasn't the best deal for you, well, who cares if all you need is like one guy or two yeah. guys to do that, and they're and you're getting a 25 year old Jonathan Taylor? Then that's my point with uh, my, yeah, with that. I like it. Okay, yeah. so that's that's the way to play uh, Superflex and Dan. Speaking of Superflex, you and I just has, did a uh, Dynasty startup draft on our friends at FFPC. They've got the new Rotoviz Triflex leagues. This is a second year of existence, an extra wide receiver spot, including Superflex, no kicker, no defense. Our friends at the FFPC are killing it. Drafts from $77 all the way up to 12 50 
uh, are going off now. We were able to sneak in one more 750, Dan, that you and I are splitting before <laughs> the uh, NFL draft, which was great for oh, our yeah. clock. We had to promise to be a chip, chop, chip about our draft picks. Um, but we were able to get it in. A lot of sharps in that room. Uh, first uh, first round started today. Draft started today. Uh, we made our first pick there, Justin Jefferson at the 107. Our, we, made, we made a trade to move up, and we, we already got the collusions uh, talk going, which, which, was, which, was, which was great, and we didn't. Uh, but we, uh, we're, we're up and about a pick, Dan, so that, that'll be exciting. But, yeah, our, our friends at FFPC killing it. They sold out their early best ball tournament. They're doing their uh, second year of their, their regular best ball tournament, double the prizes this year. Um, if you guys have not played at the FFPC, a lot of our listeners do, but if you've not, Matt, including you, not sure if you have, but it, if you need it, we've got a $35 credit uh for for best ball if uh, if you let us know we can get you get you set up with uh, an ffpc credit for all of your best ball or dynasty needs beautiful yeah and and uh before we move on to the next i, yeah. I just want to kind of back up and just ask one more general question of you matt uh you know every everybody talks about you know uh 20 2022 is a weak class do you see this as being a weak class or what's what's your opinion of the class overall as somebody who's studied the last 17 classes. Yeah, for skill positions, I don't think it's unbelievably weak. I just think it's, um, I'd say the better, the more nuanced way to say it is it's highly boom bust this year compared to other classes. There, there, This running back class, this wide receiver class, if everybody stays healthy, if they get opportunities, whereas running back may not get a lot of opportunities this year compared to some other groups, but it is talented. If they if both those hit the way that they could hit, like if it's maximized, they could be as good as any of the classes from the past three to four years, with the exception of maybe last year's wide receiver class. But um, but that's pretty, and especially if two or three of these quarterbacks end up working out, you know, yeah. that would solidify it too. But it's just one of those things that I mean, I don't pay attention to that too much because I last time I last time I like even listened to it a little bit was when. People were like, this Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes class is just not all that good compared to last year's class. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, and, yeah. and a lot of that is informed by um media folks who've formed that opinion from cursory watching of the players. And then and then it, it may be some other things. Quarterback tends to have to be very strong for them to like it as a class. And it's just it's too boom bust at this point. Yeah, and 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 of course in the in the fantasy business, there's a there's a lot of uh, um, feedback, you know, where it's you know echo chamber. Yeah, it, it is very much an echo chamber, and you know the the more you hear it, the more you believe it, the more you say it, and you know, so it it, it it's sometimes good to step back from that, and uh, you know. And just get a, a, you know, that's why I, I I like what you do because you do, you know, go into it head down without looking and thinking about what anybody else thinks about it. You're just going through and you're you're doing a process like you do every year, and so you come up with I think a, you know, a much more uh, unbiased opinion about uh, you know the players and the the relative strengths of each player, each position, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Matt, you, you know, you've got, you got better cojones than me. Cause I, I, I can see myself <laughs> just like conforming to the norm and like, all right, I got to listen to echo chamber, but I, I, I love it. You just like, no, no, this is how I graded the players. This is, this is how I feel about them. I just, and I, it's I, worth, I, I would, yeah. I would, I would swim with the rest of the fish. That's me. Uh, hey, listen, I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> it. And it's, you know, it's, that's, it's tough. I mean, it, you, you get a, you get a clue of what, where you're at. That's different. 
and the, and every year there's always gonna be somebody that you kind of agonize over but at over time i mean when i first started doing this i remember you know when i really knew a far less than i do now about this and i'm still learning obviously but it's like i remember grading a player by the name of greg bell who was a running back out of arizona and i had him like pretty high on my board i think he was in my top five to seven which wasn't bad for a running back and nobody had heard him and he was a udfa that year and i was like well what do i know this is my first year doing this i locked myself in a hotel to to do the to do whatever i could put out at this point while i was still working full time and then um he went undrafted and i laughed about it and then he ended up starting to begin the year for the denver broncos um and playing pretty well enough that it was like okay well maybe maybe there's something to this because and that's the thing especially when you hear scouts say or somebody write to you and they go yeah i don't like him i don't like what he does here and he didn't go, do well with my accuracy model or this and you have to go i'm ignoring it because from what i'm seeing he looks great and because you're come if you don't follow your compass, you're just going to get blown by the winds of what everybody else is doing. And then you can't stick to your process because you you get lost. You lose track of what it is you deviated from. So it just makes more sense that, you know, I learn from there and and, and do that. But it's, um, you, you know, I, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I my name isn't Jane and I don't sell soap in some sorority house on King yeah. of the Hill. So <laughs> I love it. All right, so, so so getting into running backs, and I'll kind of pose it in terms of a, a betting model. Maybe I don't know if you're, you're a betting guy, Matt, but I, I, I put it in the show sheet. Um, Brees Hall, uh, Kenneth Walker, I looked up their odds and implied percentages to be the first running back off the board. So in terms of the NFL's mind, so for figuring fantasy for a second. So right now my book, which is totally onshore, totally legal, no problems here, minus 286 uh, for Brees Hall to be the first overall pick, 74% odds. Kenneth Walker, um, plus 236, which is about 30% odds to be the first pick. And just jumping off there, um, I, I want to know, is does Kenneth Walker, is he close enough to Brees Hall to potentially challenge for that spot? Or is Brees Hall just obviously um, the, the better-looking uh, potential NFL running back? No, I think it's very close. It's closer okay. than people maybe realize. And it's just that the, the fact of the matter is, is that um, Brees Hall maybe expresses some physical skills a little bit better or has a little more upside with his size, though, because he's taller, um, people have that perception. Whereas, you know, Walker is not small, he's just short. And that's uh -huh. a little bit of a different thing. Um, Walker's a little more refined of a player, but the upside that Hall could express could be a little higher than than Walker overall. Um, but I'd say it's not all that different. I, not if not anything, that far off. Yeah, and if one team decides that they, if there's a team out there like, say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who like to duo block, which is more of a tight crease type of blocking scheme, and you need a back who's really good with tight creases, well, Walker's better at that yeah. than, than Hall is. So if one team goes, we need a back like that, he could be that niche fit for them. I like it. Yeah, because I think you had a pretty high grade on, on Brees as well, right? I think you expressed some level of hesitation in terms of, of your grade. I think what you called him the, the, the Brian Westbrook corollary or I get, oh, the Michael I get Westbrook. Michael Westbrook, oh. sorry, excuse me. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just more that, it, it, you know, sometimes I'm, I like to share sometimes that because I'm so process oriented with what I do and, and, I, and I stick with that, even if I have gut feelings about players. I mean, usually, you know, these days you have gut feelings, but I, I need to justify what it is that I'm seeing. So if I don't see 
what it is that my gut feelings about i'm rolling with what it is that i went down with i might mention some things just for entertainment value yeah. or, or for whatever so you know i found that you know we all have we all in, in some days whether it was in elementary school high school college adulthood that we've had bad pickers from time to time, whether it's relationships or jobs or, or roommates or whatever it is, you know, that, and for me, my bad picker in fantasy was always ultra talented, ultra physically talented guys who show flashes of brilliance who uh -huh. some reason off the field just can't get it together. And it's usually because they're, they want to fight people or they want to, or they want to do drugs or they want to do, they just let yeah. their life go out of control. And, Brian, and Michael Westbrook was that kind of guy for me, like that I I was like head over heels for it. And when I look at Brees Hall, there's just something about him that just looks like everything's too easy. <laughs> it, it just comes too easy for him. And I see little lapses and errors with his game that I think that he can correct. I'd still draft him first overall in most leagues. Okay. So I might That's switch. Okay. I might yeah, I might switch it up with Walker every once in a while just because yeah. I really like Walker. Um and if someone, if everybody beats me to Hall, I'd gladly take Walker. I'll be thrilled with him because I love J.K. Dobbins and and Ray Rice as a player. I, I like both of those guys for years, and he reminds me of those guys. Ray Rice right, is full name now, by the way. Ray Rice is a player. <laughs> let's let, so let's let's talk about Kenneth Walker's hands. I mean, it's it's the most ginormous debate on Twitter of. Anything related to the running backs is, is can Kenneth Walker catch passes or not? The answer is yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, he can catch passes. But it's like this was the same debate that I remember was asked of Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon because they didn't have the enough data to be able to to make that assessment because they weren't looking at the film. They were looking at the stats of like, well, he has to have a certain number of receptions for us to feel comfortable about that. But when I watched Walker as well as Fournette or, or Gordon on tape, they catch the ball with their hands. They use the position that they need to use well to frame their hands in the right position on, at the ball in terms of the trajectory that the ball is arriving. They extend their arms to catch the ball away. They, they know, um, you know, they, they show ability to adjust away from their frame high or low. They can take some contact and be able to catch the ball. The, do they run routes like Austin Eckler? No. How many people get to run routes like Austin Eckler mm -hmm. in the NFL? Um, one. So, I mean, at that point, you know, if I see a player do enough with a handful of catches where I can say he does the basics, um, it's not just a matter of whether the team wants to use him or if he develops as a route runner to an advanced level. Um, that's another story. I'm I'm fine with that, even if the quantity isn't quite there. Like it. And then on on Spiller, just to, just to move on there, I think Dan, you actually put this well. The the double counting, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. We had a recent pod, podcast with Abib. I think there's some double counting that Isaiah Spiller didn't test well, but I don't think there was an expectation that he'd test well. So is is he getting double knocked? How how close is Isaiah Spiller um, to to the, the Hall and the Walker? Um, he's, I would say he's close to that tier in fact I, i'm trying to remember if i actually put him in that same tier let me look real yeah, quick i, I, I did you can know that you i did like cusp on the start of yeah. the starter level yeah. yeah so he's on he's in the same tier i have four players in the same tier and holland walker are the at the top of that and spiller's third and and 
I just think that I, I never worry about the speed. That's another thing because speed is speed's a little overrated for a lot of for a lot of systems. Unless you're in the Mike Shanahan system where you can clear a highway because of your blockers um, that you have. I mean, we have Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, and, and George Kittle. You have the three best at each of those positions as blockers. Um, you're going to create huge lanes, and you can be basically a guy who needs a compass on needs a compass to find yards and still get it if, as long as you have speed. And I would say that Elijah Mitchell needs a compass sometimes to find the find the hole, unless it's like. Uh, abundantly apparent but he but he has a, a lot of speed and that's worked out well for him and i think that um spiller is more of a guy that can run an outside zone because he has the the short area quickness and the acceleration great footwork he makes good decisions overall the ones where he doesn't make good are on gap plays which you don't see a lot of gap plays in the nfl and they're they're minor lapses that he can fix even though you know my buddy jay moyer over at fantasy astronauts might say that uh um, if he had him and he did that, he would have benched him. He's benched high school players for less with some of the decisions that Spiller's made. But I've seen yeah. pros do dumb stuff like that all the time. So he's he's worth it. He'll be okay. okay. I'll, I'll describe them as hammers and you can talk me off of it. But maybe we compare and contrast a little bit your RB4 to your RB5 here. Brian Robinson and Zamir White. I know Zamir White's a favorite of Dan's. Um, are, are they both similar hammers or is Brian Robinson just – more of a mallet and, and, and Zamir White's doing his best impression of a hammer. What's the, what are the compare and contrast there? Well, you get a little bit more with Brian Robinson. You get a guy who's pretty nifty with his feet and Mm -hmm. shows some ability to change direction in a manner that may be a little better than Zamir White. Um, He also understands the difference of when to be a hammer and when to be, you know, maybe more of a tool of finesse. Um, And he's a good pass protector, soft hands, um, I think his pass protection makes him a, a better option right away than Zamir White, who has promises a pass protector, um, but sometimes misjudges some angles um, uh, with certain types of assignments. Um, White has good hands. Um, he has, you know, he's got more straight line speed for sure, um, but the power is very good. It's based on pad level and how he attacks, but he's not, you know, I mean, he runs like. He runs where it looks like he's 226, but he's only 206, whereas Brian Robinson is a true 225 and runs like that. So, um, you know, I see Samir White as more of like a Thomas Jones type of player, maybe a a more refined decision maker in the mold of Ronald Jones. Um, And, you know, kind of what people hope Ronald Jones would be, you know, and then. And then Robinson to me is more like if you remember Larry Johnson, um, an angry player on and off the field, but like you know on the field it, it worked pretty well for him with Kansas City. Um, I like both of them a lot, but I think um, you know White is an amazing worker. Robinson gets underplayed because he had to deal with Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and and a couple other really good backs, and people are like, well, he didn't start for most of his career and it's just like well priest Holmes didn't either yeah you know willie parker didn't either so let's let's forget about that for a minute and just look at what they did when they were on the field i like it one one more player then then we'll get into some nonsense and some rapid fire running backs but K- kennedy brooks um you have him rated pretty highly out of oklahoma what what, what, did, what did kennedy um do well that you liked on the film man uh, players who are very efficient with their footwork 
um, are very, that's important. A lot of people overlook that because they see these wild, like jump cuts and athletic moves. And that's like low hanging fruit for them to say, see, he's an NFL athlete, but he's not an NFL decision maker. When you jump cut three yards in front of you and slam your head first into the butt of your, of your pulling guard or your, or your, um, or your tackle, when you're trying to make a cut, you need to be able to do it very efficiently. And guys like Kennedy Brooks have great contact balance, have the efficient footwork. They can be dynamic with their feet when they need to be. Um, he has better athletic ability than I even estimated um, yeah. for him, which was a pleasant surprise and moved him up a little bit more. And he really understands pre-snap how to set up creases. He runs to open leverage. He doesn't run to open um, space. And that's more important because if you run to open space in the college game, and you do that too often, you're running, you end up running towards defenders who infiltrate that gap when you get there. And that's not open space anymore. But when you understand the, the blocking concepts and you can anticipate where the openings are going to be and you set them up with patience, and he's the most patient back I've seen in a while. Um, he, to me, is it, it's like if I was going to make a long shot bet, I've been saying this uh-huh. you know, this month a lot, but I was going to make a long shot bet on a player to like have a Terrell type Terrell Davis type of surprise. Like people would go, where did he come from to become a starter? And the, the, you know, state of Oklahoma goes, look, fools, we knew about this guy forever. Um, it would be Kennedy Brooks because he has that nuance to his game, the, the mental intuitive nuance and the small techniques that could really make him compensate for a, what he's a you know compensate for whatever lack of high end starter athletic ability he has enough for the baseline to be a starter. I like it. So Dan, Dan, let me uh, let me let me share something really quickly. So um, Matt, you, you've reached the intersection of Dan and Andrew with this one player. Here <laughs> yes. we go. Hold on. Can, can can you can you add that to the, the chat here? Hold on. Are you, hey. are you able to add that to, to so our listeners can see? <clears throat> this is a this is a Facebook post. That's that's me on the left there. Must be nice to have a Dalvin Cook, but what do we know? So he just he just scored obviously one of Dalvin Cook's long touchdowns here. So he, here's where I'm going with this, Matt. You love the word curvilinear when it comes to Dalvin Cook. It, the first thing I do when I open the RSP control off curvilinear. Who's the curvilinear player? Last year, Clear Herbert, which is a great pick. I, I have a lot of Clear Herbert and kind of didn't stop buying. But then also the player who got tagged with that adjective this year was Abram Smith out of Baylor. I don't I don't know if you can see over Dan's head there, Baylor guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, before 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 we get to you know, rapid fire, just just wanted to talk a little bit about Abram Smith and the word curvilinear. And uh, I have a I have a joke at the end of this one too, but uh, as, as if I'm not one big joke. But what what what's your take on Abram Smith? And should we be seeing him in the same light as uh, Khalil Herbert, or should I just not worry about this year's curvilinear athlete? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and the whole thing about the curvy linear thing is that I was high on Dalvin Cook. A lot of the analytics people weren't because they didn't like his vertical. They didn't like some of his metrics, even from the spark days back in high school. And this was one of those things that was a lesson, I think, for them to learn is that metrics need to be matched up with how the player plays. And if you can't, if the player has a style that doesn't fit the metrics, then you look at how effective the style is. And, and you can go from there. And Dalvin Cook was that way. And that curvilinear movement I learned from a guy by the name of Sean Miska, who you can follow on Twitter at Movement Miyagi, like, you know, Miyagi-Do Karate. Um, and he is a 
he is a movement specialist who works with NFL players like say Minnesota Minnesota's Everson Griffith. He was he worked with him for many years and other players like that. And he brought that term to light. I just am, I made it popular in the fantasy sphere. Um, I love it. So so Abram Smith, <laughs> Abram Smith is a is a fantastic player if you put him in outside zone. Uh-huh. Um, it, yep. You know, there most players I like to argue with people because they're always talking about getting coached up or he's instinctive. And I like to tell people it's like, listen, man, most players are not as instinctive as you think. Uh, most of them have to put in a lot of work to make it look instinctive. But every once in a while, you'll get a player who's just kind of a natural at some aspect of their game and to a level that when you see put them in, you're like, Who's this guy who looks like he's like a five-year veteran running outside zone, you know, at Baylor? Abrams, oh, a former linebacker with two ACL tears yeah. who looks like he can't bend, you know, like like he can't drop his weight, and he looks like he looks like basically Fred Sanford getting up out of his chair and like you know doing the heart attack thing when he walks out. You know, there's a little bit of that going on with Abram Smith. He's a little creaky looking, you know, compared to some of these other guys. Have, have you I, watched quite a bit of him? Yes, I, I, yeah. that's uh, you put your finger on it right there. He's he's uh, like the so dude good. with old man game who like gets into the lane like at the rec at the rec center or at the park and he's playing against guys like 15 years, 25 years younger than him. But he has, he has all the nuance of a post-up game that no one can stop him, <laughs> even though he's still dressed in like the, the sweat band and the tube socks with the stripes and he's got the short shorts on and he's probably still got like the, the Jersey with the three quarter sleeves and yeah. the, the softball Jersey. And he's mm-hmm. out there huffing and puffing and sweating up a storm and a big beer gut and they can, and he's sinking everything. Oh, and every time the ball gets into him, it's over. Yeah. Abram Smith is that player for running backs in this class because when you give him the ball on outside zone, he just has perfect timing and feel for when to press, how to cut back, which lane to choose. It's fantastic. And he just, and you're just looking at him and going, but, and he has the curvy linear movement to compensate for the fact that he just can't bend and cut anymore the way that he did. But he really does under, he can run through you. I would not be shocked at all. if He winds up on an outside zone team and maybe he's, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick or an undrafted guy. And in three years, you know, somebody gets hurt and he reels off like, you know, 450 yards in three games. Yeah, he's like he's touchdowns. Yes. Yeah. That's and everyone's going to be like, oh my God, Abram <laughs> Smith, you know, and, you know, and he'll, and then he'll go back to being a, a high end backup for somebody or maybe like have it. one or two really good starter seasons. But okay, you got to so keep an eye on about him. That is like the three months I will be in my glory on Twitter. So you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be like, I told you, I told you. <laughs> you and Jeff. You and Jeff Bell at Football Guys. He was like, he goes, uh, okay. okay. He go, he was. He, he asked me about. Like, what do you think about Abram Smith? And I said, I'll let you know when I'm done. And then when I started showing, so he looked at it. The first thing he looked at it was like, oh, it makes me feel good about Abram because I like him too. You know. So, yeah. All right, we're, we're tuning up the clock with you, Matt. This is this is great. We'll, we'll we'll try to keep it tight for you, and you know if you've got time to go. But but let me let me bring one non- nonsense question. Since we just brought up curve linear, linear, if you know I, Mel Kiper, Jay Billis for the NBA draft, you know tremendous upside potential, drinking game, wingspan, drinking game, saying length like that, drinking game. If somebody was playing a drinking game with the RSP, which they should get at MattWaldmanRSP.com, 
what would be the most devastating word in our like not like you know a word that you, you like what's like a mat is it like curvilinear is it micro movements i think you mentioned that it like what would just absolutely just ruin someone's day that's such a matt waldman term in the rsp yeah curvilinear would probably do it <laughs> uh, you know that would yeah, probably that would, be, that would be one um yeah you, you know i i think processing if you if you uh, won't if you get you know processing you need, you need speed though to drink though you can't just get processed you need to processing yeah yeah okay. probably or processor you know is either okay, processor like or processing but um uh, yeah some of those would probably do it um you know i would say the best one that if you really want to play the drinking game whether yep. the best thing to do yep. is go back to the early rsps before i had really good editing teams and i was losing a lot of sleep and you have to do like a beer bong every time <laughs> you see me give misreference a player and substitute a name from an 80s ACC basketball star instead <laughs> because when I'm tired for some reason the the like my mind shifts off of the player and I conflate it with an it, with a basketball player from the 1980s so yeah I love it. All right, so let, let's go rapid fire if we can. Maybe like a, like one, one sentence each on these running backs. I know some of the, the chat has one too. If you don't mind putting up the the other one, because I I kind of have like a, a hidden thing. I'm for nineteen twelve fantasy. Yeah, um, Isaiah Pacheco. I know that he 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 was relatively high on your list. You, you have like a sentence on on Isaiah, and maybe touch on Hassan Haskins as well. One one sentence each or so. Sure, I. Isaiah Pacheco is a, is a fast back with good pad level who runs with better decision-making than people thought with soft hands, who his upside could approach Cam Akers if, it, if he gets in the right system and, and continues to get opportunities. And then Hassan uh, Haskins, um, he's a good gap runner without speed and has to get his hips and his pads aligned in a way where he can maximize his power. Um, might fit in nicely as a as a reserve back who can give you some positive production, but he's not James Conner. Um, James Conner was faster, quicker. Got it. All right, Kevin Harris. He's your RB eight. I'm a big fan of Kevin yeah. Harris's okay, ability so to yeah, good pad level, um, catches the ball better than you think. Um, smart player who the, the biggest if is that South Carolina seems to be lately a place where you don't want to bet on guys with promise um, because they they tend to, you know, kind of fizzle out. Yeah. Pierre is strong, but I only want you to say bad things for the audience. And then you text Dan and I how, how you really feel about Pierre Strong. OK, so I'll just keep I'll just keep winking as I say this, you know, but um. But no, I mean, he's kind of a Raheem Mostert type of um, potential player with speed, um, understanding of how to play outside zone. The There's things to build on. The one lapse he has that is an issue he may have to work on is he falls down a lot when he makes certain cuts, um, and it has to do with how his feet are placed in the line. He's got he's to correct that or else he's going to have some problems. I like it. Rashad White, uh, I, I I like him a lot as kind of like the third or fourth running back, and what the hell do I know? But obviously you're more down on him than most. What, what was it about Rashad White's game that uh... – a, a lot of people like him because yeah. he's got the speed, he's got the size, he, he's got the soft hands, and he can catch. So all of that feels good. Um, I did not see good decision-making when he had opportunities to be one-on-one against the defender in the hole. And when you have that, you need to take advantage of it. He'll dip halfway into the hole, see that, and try and escape it. And he runs to open space rather than to running to leverage. So 
think Kalen Balazs, Kenyon mm. Drake, guys <laughs> like that, who where you know the potential's there, um, yeah. but maybe we're a little too high just yet. I think he has to develop, and if he doesn't, if he's if he thinks that he's great now, it could be problems. Got it. Okay, and the last one's f- f- for me uh, to the audience, but you're you're more than welcome to chime in, Matt. Ty Davis Price. He obliterated Florida as a Florida State fan. It was an absolute delight to watch that game. So that that's my only analysis on Ty Davis prices. He just un- unlo- unloaded against the Gators uh, this past year. So I like you're it. welcome to chime in. If I, you, I, I, I like Ty Davis price. I yeah. think that the the questions are does I guess there's questions about his effort, but like his pass protection against UCLA. If you want to go watch a clinic on a guy who's a very aspiring you know, very good pass protector who could become even better in the NFL. That's the game to watch with him. And the speed, I was shocked that he was as fast as he was um, running that, you know, running at the combine. I know people were like, every, you know, you get a four, you get a four, three, you get a four, three, you know, that was kind of the, the, the theme, but he's a good running back and he's a sleeper too in this class. I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, we, we, we got, we got to move on to wide receivers, but before we do underdog plug, uh, underdog they're absolutely killing these really fun contests the one that's still open now closes on draft day is the rookies and sophomores draft i think it's like we draft like 12 12 or so players only rookies only sophomores this is exactly why we have matt waldman on so you know the rookies uh before everyone else does before draft day uh i think it's super flex format too it looks super fun ten dollars to enter um the contest looks about 60 percent uh fill so i you know who knows if they filled the other 40 percent in a week uh, but a great time to jump in. We have a promo code. I think it's GOAT, Dan, to use. We can confirm. You, st- yes. Slide into Dan or I or JD's mentions. We'll we'll make sure you get sorted out it, with the right it, promo it, code. It is uh, district. District. Boy. Yes. I, well, I knew it was one of two words. L- love it. Uh, promo code district. Go to underdog. Crush the rookies in the sophomores draft. Matt, thanks thanks for hanging with us. We'll move through the wide receivers. Obviously, really appreciative of all your time. They've given us. Pleasure. Um, yeah. Chris Alave, wide receiver number one, the 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 Andrew anecdotal scouting. That's me, and that's how I scout because I don't actually watch film. I, I think Alave is a lot like Kadarius Tony, where people are thinking, "Boy, yeah." Not not in terms of how they play, but in terms of an, an older player not really believing the first round draft capital that they may get. Um, not in terms of style of play, but but you have Chris Olave as your wide receiver one. What what did you like about him? Even though he may be you know not the coveted junior declare uh, that people like. Yeah, well, you know, people like Henry Ruggs. They like Corey Coleman. They liked um, name a speedster who got basically picked ahead of Michael Thomas, Mike Williams, Juju Smith Schuster, um, AJ Brown, and um, you know J- Justin Jefferson and. And failed. There was probably about seven or eight of these guys. Will Fuller's added to that list. And what often happens is that people covet speed way too much. And when they look at Chris Olave, he's more than fast enough. He's he's got strong speed. He's also not as flashy of a mover. And when you compare him and contrast him with Garrett Wilson, people see Wilson making all these flash plays last year, and and they think, well, Olave kind of got put in the background here. So what happened? Maybe he's not quite that good. In the same way that TJ Hushmanzada was drafted before Chris Johnson or Chad Ochocinco, I mean, excuse me, Chad Ochocinco um, and Chad Ochocinco, they both played on the same team. And Chad Ochocinco was the better player when they both were ended up on the same team in yep. the NFL. Um, but Olave is a smoother route runner. He's better off the jam. He's a better tracker of the football. 
His hands position are, have less lapses. He's smarter in the open field where he doesn't try and make, um, you know, I would say this about Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson's a good player. He's very well worth drafting. He's still high on my board. But he's a type of player that will see an open lane to get the three yards he needs on a third and seven uh, on a five-yard catch to get the first down. And he'll ignore it to go run towards defenders um, with the hope of gaining 70 and end up losing three from the catch that he made. And now it's fourth down and they got a punt. Like that's a Marquise Lee type of thing. That's a lot of players like that who make those things. He looks like he's doing math catching us. Yeah. And yeah. And when you, when you have to do math to catch the football, because you're clapping onto it and, and it looks like, you know, he makes great catches, but he has some lapses with that. He's got to correct. So, He's almost there with Olave, but Olave is the type of guy that if you if he winds up on the Green Bay Packers, he could probably play all three positions. He could probably end up being the leading receiver for Aaron Rodgers year one and, and being a, a top player. And he's more the Robert Woods to Garrett Wilson's Marquise Lee, even though I think they're diff- all four of them are different players. It's just an analogy to say yeah, yeah. he could be he's less unsung but better, but maybe a little bit more refined and in. And because I'm not scouting for a specific team where the Saints might go, we want a guy who's fast on turf, who can do these certain things that fit Garrett Wilson, I'm looking at a broader standpoint. Olave checks more boxes. like it. If uh, To put you on the spot with a question not on the list, so you just just tell me to pass uh, if, no. if, if I've done too much here. Go for it. If Keenan Allen's 100 as a route runner, yeah. if, if, he, if he's the curve there, what's, what's Chris Olave compared to uh, a Keenan Allen? Well, I mean, most guys. Let's deduct. Let's deduct ten to fifteen points just okay. for the fact that you're not in the NFL and you're not facing um, pro press coverage guys. But I'd say if we could add back, say, seven points, you know, if everything works out well, um, then I would probably put him at a. Uh, you know, if Keenan Allen's a hundred. I'd put yeah. him somewhere between eighty-nine and ninety-three. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, we touched on Wilson there as well. So I, I've got a little bit of types. So l- again, let me do a little bit of c- compare and contrast. I've been making a really stupid joke called uh, Pickens rhymes with Higgins, which obviously it, it doesn't. Uh, but then also your number two wide receiver Drake London. Um, in terms of like the 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 the, the bigger the bigger looking guys, uh, George Pickens versus Drake London. Obviously, you've got a difference in rankings. Uh, but I want I'll talk about them both in kind of the same uh, compare and contrast mold. Sure, because they're they're both potential starters. Yep. One, I just happen to think Drake London can is more versatile for you right now, and and more likely to be able to start right away, and then build on his game more. Whereas with Pickens, I think he's going to need to build on his game to be the same type of starter that Drake can become. Um, and it's um, in the sense of that where like it might take him two to three more years if he does it. Pickens to me is more Kenny Galladay circa Detroit, where you had to have Marvin Jones yeah. and and um, Golden Tate on each side so that he could match up against a, a slower a linebacker okay. or a safety or a nickelback and use his size and speed, but not have to do a lot nuance with routes. Um, and that's where I think Pickens is right now. He makes beautiful catches, great hand-eye coordination. His positioning leads him to sometimes have to make things more difficult than it should be. London doesn't have to be that difficult with it. He's a better runner after the catch, more physical at every part of football. And he's a, I think he's a more um, technically sound route runner than Pickens right now. I like it. Okay. So uh, J- Jamison Williams, wide receiver three. Before, um, before we get off Pickens, I, I've got to get wait, Matt's wait, wait, wait. opinion on uh, what it, how would you grade his, uh, his left-handed roundhouse punch? 
Um, <laughs> hey, I would say, you know, on the, I would say it's on the Michael Westbrook scale. I, I mean, it's it's not quite there because if you can knock out Stephen Davis, you're you're pretty darn. You've got a pretty hefty. Uh, um, you got some concrete in your fists, but but you know, I mean, he he might be able. We might be able to put him into like a local tournament, and maybe he can ascend to the Golden Gloves after that. But he's not at he, he's not at MMA level, Michael Westbrook. That's for sure. All right, all right. Just have to check on that. Let, let, I'll put a. I'll end up putting Jameson in the in the uh, quick hitters bucket because I actually want to spend some time on your wide receiver five. In the show notes, I got Justin Ross with three exclamation points. Um, you know, Florida State fan here h- hated when Clemson was good. Hated seeing Justin Ross dominate. You know, Florida State. He was o- always a threat. Um, very similar to the DeAndre Hopkins, T. Higgins, et cetera, et cetera. All these Clemson receivers just just dunking on me left to right uh, here uh, in the last you know five to seven years. Um, Justin Ross, what'd you like about his game as wide receiver five for you in terms of, uh, grading him there? Yeah, because he's actually better with releases. than I think people think he's very good against physical coverage. It just does not phase him. The hand fighting, the dragging, the pulling, any type of fouls committed, he's going to still maintain his position, win position late, make the catch against, um, physical coverage and, and do well. And when you saw him early in his career, he had more than enough speed and quickness to be able to separate against um, top caliber defenders. He may not be a blazer. He's not Jamison Williams, but he could be Hakeem Nix in that type of um, thing. The thing that dropped him for most people is the injuries. He had the, yeah. he had the cervical, um, um, you know, a genetic issue yeah. that, yes. that basically no one's ever played football after a surgery to overcome. Well, the proof's already there. So instead of sitting here and double dipping and going, you know, well, no one's ever come back to play football like that. Well, he just did. He, he spent he a did. whole year doing it. And they yeah. and the doctors literally said he has no greater of a chance of a catastrophic injury than any other player who steps yeah. on the field. That's enough. Put that away. The thing that now people are double dipping is that they don't, some of them forget that he actually is playing. He played all year last year on a stress fracture, a Jones fracture in his foot. And he had to get Toradol shots pretty much weekly, which means they wear off by the end of the half. And so he's, and he's been playing with a quarterback who was not Trevor Lawrence, not remotely Trevor Lawrence, not remotely like Chad Kelly when Chad Kelly was at Clemson, not remotely like he, he might not even be like some of the other guys who didn't make the NFL. Um, And now, and playing on this bad foot, he had to spend, when when he when he finally um the season was over he got surgery in november had to be immobilized for 6 to 8 weeks before he could start training for the combine unlike garrett wilson who had a good 12 13 weeks and was healthy before he That's started right. so that he could game the combine system you know justin ross had to start from a deficit and he still ran a four, five, six, and jumped thirty-one and a half inches. To me, when I asked, I asked a biomechanics expert who has some scouting, who who was a scout, who, and I said, um, I like you that know, you have a biomechanics guy. By the I way. do. It's important I do. to have a biomechanics guy. He's it been is. an RSP right. subscriber since two thousand seven. So, so um, he's. What happened he's the been, first year? I don't know, man. Okay, probably, all right. I'm gonna probably ask, Greg Bell. Why mechanics guy? Why you would? Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably Greg. Because I didn't know what I was doing, you know. But uh, but I didn't know what I was doing until probably about 2010, and even then, I would say I was half knew what I was doing. But the, uh, but um, you know, he 
he said to me, he goes, no, I, I don't think there's anything off base of what you're, this narrative that you're putting forth here. He yeah. goes, he goes, I was, I was surprised he was anywhere close to what he did. Uh, he's not healthy. He's not healthy right now. He'll be healthy sometime in camp. And so sometime in probably by August, some team I'm betting that some team will go, wow, he's a lot more explosive than we thought he was. And so it, he could be a better version of Hakeem Nicks if things work out, but we'll, we'll see. I like it. Okay. So some, some wide receiver rapid fires here, uh, one or two sentences. So um, I, I'm assuming this is, this is another question from uh, 1912 fantasy uh, Williams. I'm assuming this is Jamison Williams being a body catcher. Yeah. You, yes. yeah let's, let's use this time to talk about Jamison Williams then, Matt. Yeah. I mean, wh- from what I've seen of Williams, um, you know, I thought that there were enough, um, there was enough evidence that he knew how to use his hands the way that you would expect him to. Um, you, you know, from a from the stamp, standpoint of what I saw, um, he uses underhand t- with targets near his belt line. Um, he understands that sometimes he'll he'll use underhand technique where overhand is tech is preferable. But it's something that's a that's a common issue. A lot of people have that where they've got to spend time on the jugs machine and 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 really practice certain trajectories. So that but one he can, can be coached. That can be coached. He, you know, he uses overhand technique well without clapping onto it. Um, he can extend for the ball. He does a lot of those things well. It's just a matter of him just making the effort um, to get better at that. And that could be Deontay Johnson, like where he has a year where he leads the league in drops or has a high drop rate and then has to get back down to fundamentals. So I'm not too worried about that with him. I like it. So ne- next rap fire, um, the compare and contrast Christian Watson, which is t- timely by Kyle's money. You, di- you didn't miss it. We saved it just for you. Glad you're back. So Christian Watson versus Alec Pierce, you have them wide receiver six versus wide receiver seven uh, in your rankings. They both seem to be, and again, this is Andrew, they seem to be like p- potential, a, a lot a lot of unmolded clay there. You know, six, six foot what? Six foot three, six foot four for each of them. What's the compare and contrast then? Because they are close in your rankings. Yeah, I actually think they're, they, I think the guys with, you know, that are you know moldable potential are more guys like Traylon Burks and George Pickens. Okay, um, good. Okay. So I think I actually look at Pierce and and um, Pierce is a guy who I think can play as a contributor, fourth, third, or fourth receiver right away. Um, yeah, um, he's more of a Justin Jefferson type with a little bit more heft. We saw uh, that a little bit more. God, I wish I put that in the show sheet. Alec Pierce equals Justin Jefferson. There's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. He's not he's not the route runner Justin Jefferson yeah. is, but you can put him inside like Justin Jefferson and have him block linebackers and safeties. And as a result of that, off of play action, they have to buy into the fact that he might block them. And then he can run routes off of that. And he's a great pass catcher at the at the in contested situations and going up for the ball. He's not the runner Justin Jefferson is, but again, he's bigger, he jumps higher, he's just as quick and fast. Um, and he's got very good hands. Christian Watson, to me, is more of a Javon Walker upside type or a Mark okay. Davis Bryant upside type in terms of what they could do on the field when everything goes well. Um, and that's, again, a player who has terrific hands, experience in a West Coast offense, which is underrated for the fact that he ha- he's ex- used to having to make adjustments with his quarterback and understanding the, the verbiage that comes with West Coast offenses that a lot of players in spread offenses 
have to overthink a lot early on in the league. Um, he might be able to add another eight to 12 pounds to his frame. And he's already a physical guy with yeah. very good skill after the catch. I think he's closer to becoming a, um, a starter than people think. Got it. Okay, so multiple play, Traylon Brooks, you have him wide receiver 13. Are we projecting all of our love of Debo and A.J. Brown onto him and, ho- and hoping the very best case for him? Yes, yes, Okay. yes, absolutely, yes. This is okay. the same. This is the Jordan Love is the next Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. The, um, the, okay. the Drew Locke is that, you know, Pat – um, Baker Mayfield is the next Drew Brees, um, you know, Brett Favre and Russell Wilson rolled into one. This is a he's Kenny Gall. He's a Kenny Galladay type, too. Yeah. You, you know, that's basically what these guys are. He's not Debo. He's not. And and he's a guy that has to be physical to be a route runner in situations where he needs to be fin- a finesse guy. So yeah. he's got some work to do again. He and Pickens, they can be starters. I just don't. They're going to need some time, work. and and they might not have the system to be able to exploit them the way that Debo was exploited. Arkansas How about was David was, Bell. Uh, uh, I was going to say Arkansas was fun as hell to watch college football this past year, and plus, and plus their, their their coach, if you've ever seen him on Twitter, loves to hit people with a yes sir <laughs> and his super southern accent. You you know what I'm talking about, Matt? He, he was the <laughs> offensive line coach at Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes sir. So. <laughs> if, if you saw the clips you know what i was talking about no, i'm I not would. a psychopath uh, no you're not not yeah. at all uh, okay uh, yeah D- 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 david bell damn <laughs> i digress i yeah what a, you just want me to is yeah, that yeah, question about just yeah i mean he's he's basically jarvis landry anquan bolden if his upside works out in terms of that his that his um conceptual and technical skills and the understanding of the game supersede his his athletic ability. And that's the biggest concern with him. Um, if he, if I could get a guarantee that his athletic ability wouldn't drag him down, he would be in my top five, but he, but I don't, I don't have that guarantee. I think he's, I think he's one of the best. I've been picking him in Debbie leagues before I saw how his athletic ability expressed himself. And I think he's, he's a dynamic dynamite football player. Yeah. He's great. He just, he's just slow. Yep. He's he's slow, not very quick, and and he doesn't have acceleration. So you know, but if it works out where they can fit him, that'd be great. Sky Moore, um, yeah, I can, I'll answer that. I mean, I like him. I think he can become a con, a contributor early and eventually a starter. I think he's better at the catch point than he is as a runner. While everyone else says he's a better runner than he is at the catch point, um, but I I think that I think it's kind of reversed. Um, but he's a solid player. I think. I think the things that he does after the catch, um, people have overrated a little bit. Before we jump to the next two uh, uh, guys, on Sky Moore, I want you to tell me, Matt, how screwed am I because I've been taking him a lot in early best ball. Is Sky Moore going to be an early contributor for me, or am I just dead in the water with all my Sky Moore? Um, and you can be honest. No, I think it's it's very fit-dependent. Okay. You're, you're you're in a boom-bust situation with him. I, that's how I see Where it. I love to be. As long as I'm not dead. I'd rather be yes, boom-bust. That's, that's the dead. one thing we don't want. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but seriously though, I mean, I've been, you know, because like I, I'm sort of in the same situation with David Bell. I've been taking a ton of David Bell. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, 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 as long as I'm not completely dead in the water, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, just we're gonna have to see the fit with him, but yep. you know, I'm open to it. Love it. All right, last two, and then move. We'll move to one more plug nonsense. And we'll get out of here, Matt. So D- Danny Gray and Velas Jones. 
for the listeners? Um, Danny Gray has some potential to become a contributor because he tracks the ball very well. Um, he has some issues with zone routes where he um, he basically makes himself open and signals to the receiver that or the quarterback that he's open when he's not. And, and that happens in zone coverage where, you know, there's some, been some interceptions where he turns and shows his eyes to the quarterback and he shouldn't have because he misread the coverage. Um, some route some route release and hands issues are all things that he got to get better at. He's kind of a developmental guy. That's who, me playing pickup basketball. I'm always calling for the ball. There you go. There you you got to feed the big dog. Yep. Well, that's <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. And Velas Jones, I'm just not high on him at all. I know that he's got some athletic ability. He could be a return specialist for you. Maybe he can give you what Marquez Callaway gave you in surprise and, and exceed expectations, but – I, I just didn't see a lot of technical skills or that, that were refined enough to, to be strong on him unless you were in a super deep league with a big practice squad. I like it. Okay. All right. Th- thanks, Matt. Let's, let's get one more plug in. Let's get some nonsense. We'll get, get you out of here. So Viridian Global, another one of our sponsors, we have FFPC, Underdog, Viridian Global. Um, Dan, question for you. They've got a ton of great merch. you got you got to go there. Uh, we've got some Go District stuff up there. I made a dumb comment when I was in the throes of my accounting. Uh, the you know, or, well, excuse me, JD made a dumb comment. I said, "Print the print the damn shirts." Did we ever get the "I don't mock, I best ball" shirts printed? I don't think we have that one going yet. All right, we, I, okay. we've definitely got to get that one moving. Okay, we we got we got to get that one moving. Anyways, Verding Global for all your great fantasy football NFL player puns. You're gonna get a whole new player uh, pool of players uh, from the NFL draft. A lot of good puns. Got to get the merch, got to get the shirts, go district gear, all of it. Viridian Global, you're going to love and, it. And it fits Please great. Go. I mean, it fits great. It wears great. It's it's just, yeah, yeah it's good, comfortable stuff. I, look, Kyle's money is already throwing his damn wallet at the <laughs> I don't mock our best ball. So yeah, good. There we go. <laughs> print, print, print the damn shirts. Um <laughs> So, so listen. Here's here's a call to action. I'm I'm, I'm learning how to podcast here. Instead of hitting uh, smash the likes, smash the subscribe. Do, hey, do all that. Here's what I want to know. People, uh, I think I can transfer some of my underdog credit that I have to you guys. So I'm going to do that. For any of the listeners, whether you're listening live, or you're listening uh, on, on the podcast app. Here's what I want you to do. That one, WaldmanRSP.com. I want you to tweet at this show. Tweet. I want you to tweet with your favorite running back, ten through fifteen from Waldman's. And running back or wide receiver ten through fifteen. Uh, your 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 favorite. Uh, tweet at me because that means you heard this call to action. It means you got the RSP guide. Let let me know who you like, uh, and we'll, we'll figure out who the winner is. And I'll transfer some of my credit, or I'll just buy buy you something nice from uh from from Underdog. Want to get you guys listening to the show and, and locked in here, and also buying Matt's guide. So, Matt, you've stuck with us uh, seventy five plus. We'll get you out of here with some nonsense. Um, quick question: I put tight ends in the nonsense category. That's kind of messed up. Are, are tight ends relevant this year? They can be, yeah, but it's a. Um, I think they might be, um, it, but it's it. You got to remember that I play in leagues with like 40, 50 man rosters, yeah. so so maybe the answer is no. Um, yeah. But okay. you, but you know, there's some guys you want to monitor. It, give it, give us, keep, give us, give us two names outside Trey McBride because you mentioned him earlier. Yeah. And I think that everyone's on him. Who who are some Col- other names that we should be monitoring? Um, I would say Cole Turner and Curtis. Um, so yeah, he's not relevant. Charlie Kohler. No. 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 no, I like Charlie Kohler. Charlie oh, okay. Kohler is another one you okay. can easily say him too. Um, but I was also thinking um, more over of where is he? Curtis Hodges. Cole Turner and Curtis Hodges. <laughs> Kohler to me is high up there, but 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 Turner and Hodges are both tall, over six six. Hodges is six eight. Um, 
They have very good skills of catching the football, making adjustments against tight coverage. Um, and I think that they're the type of guys that might get drafted late in the NFL who wind up having roles at some point down the line. So keep an eye on them. I like it. And we play in tight end premium leagues. I don't know if I play any leagues as deep as 45, but uh, I, I like those names. So appreciate that, Matt. So one, one, uh, a couple, couple rapid fire here. One name of a player whose film was the most fun to watch. Now this could be good, bad, and different, but who, who, who's, what, which player, one to two, whatever you want, but who was really fun that you, when you fired up their film, you're like, okay, I'm so glad I get to watch more of this player. Um, you can't love all your children. That, that's yeah, the I know. Here. Keontae Ingram of, of USC, the running back. Okay. I like he's a sleeper. He's, he's yeah. reminds me a little bit of Kareem Hunt and Chris Ivory. Oh, love it. Nice. Great, great name. Great name. Okay. Be, be mean because I, I can't get through a whole podcast without being nice to somebody. W- one name of a good player. Uh, so he's got got it got got to be a name. Good player, maybe subjective here. Whose film was an absolute chore to watch. So the opposite of the spectrum. Well, I got to watch more of his game sh- tape, but it's like either the team surrounding him or the player himself is just making me bored out of my mind. It's a, it's a chore to fire up more of this tape. There's a lot of players like that. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, you, there are, there are. I mean, there's players you're watching who you just go, they're not going to make it in the NFL. Yeah. I know this already physically, um, but I still have to do my due diligence to watch the well, player. This, I'm going to give you a good player, player, but I'm going to give you a good player that good I'm going to say. After a while, I was just posting stuff that I called danger, no danger, and basically said he didn't know the difference between the two, and he needs a visor with a with with a light that shows red and green when yeah. he reads leverage. And it's the guy that is probably going to be picked first in the NFL draft at quarterback, and that's Desmond Ritter. Um, I'm not going near Desmond Ritter. Um, I okay. think um, so. I know a lot of people seem I to be in that. love with him, yeah. um, but I know he has a reject grade with some scouts. Um, and I found that out after I didn't like him and he's way down on my board compared to everybody else. He just, re- you know, to me again, intuitive quarterbacking is understanding where the leverage is and knowing that you got to begin to throw the football in addition to some mechanical issues that he has just repeatedly with throws that he should be able to make and that project to the NFL. He didn't know the difference between open and not open unless he had to scramble and he could buy that time. And sorry, man. I mean, all I'll say is this is I may be wrong, but I was I haven't been wrong about love. I haven't been wrong about Baker Mayfield. I haven't been wrong about Drew Locke. Tell um, the haters. And they're all the players that people were like about all the all the players that people had drafted very highly. Mitchell Trubisky, you can add him to the list Blake as Bortles. another one. Blake, well, I, I kind of like Blake oh, Bortles shit. a little okay, bit. I didn't like But that, that was way back in the day. You were good. So, you know, I learned my lesson a little bit with Blake. Uh, like but but yeah, Ritter to me, Ritter. I just feel like that he's going to get his opportunities, but I he, I don't think he's going to get a second contract in the league as a starter. Got it. Okay, yeah. one 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 last nonsense for you. I love this question, even though it might be the same. So I hope I get a different answer. You know the Benny Hill theme? Am I an idiot for saying that? Like the the yakety the yakety yeah, no, yeah. Okay, all right. I know that. Who who's who's the player who had the most goof, goofball plays? Or you'd just see some dumbass shit on the field whenever their team was like the ball was squirting all over the place. Or like, did you ever like ha- ha- how many of these Benny Benny Hill type plays were out there, and which which player had the most of them? If you can think of any, 
Well, you know, there were some good Benny Hill type of plays. Okay, good. Yeah, you, know, you know, Zaquandre White out of South Carolina was okay. a good example. Khalil Pimpleton out of Central Michigan was a great punt returner and receiver who has high effort leads to like almost that Benny Hill, Charlie Chaplin-esque type of like crazy stuff somehow turns out okay yeah. type of stuff. That's good. I, unfortunately, I would say some of Malik Willis's scramble, scrambles are Benny Hill, <laughs> Benny Hill. Um, where you wind up throwing a one-yard pass into tight coverage where you should have just continued running the football. Um, and didn't seem, you know, scrambling and running are two different things. And I feel like he has some issues with that. So yeah, those are those are examples of some guys. That God, love, that. love it. By the way, Zakondre White, I think he got he he transferred away from Florida State. He ended up punching, he got frustrated uh, in another Florida State loss. He he punched someone on the uh on the Florida sideline during one of, or maybe yeah. Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. Maybe it was, uh, I think it was uh, on the Clemson yeah. game a couple if, of years ago. If he's the, and he's the one player that if I got a chance to be a running back coach, like if I had the skills to be a running back coach, I'd pay to coach him because yeah. the raw skills are there. Yeah. But again, you know, I've never coached running backs. So just like we all have our bad pickers with stuff, it would probably be my Michael Westbrook bad picker type of situation with them. But I'd still try it. Matt, that is so great to end the player value. You, you, you killed this. We went through so many players. I, I'm so appreciative of you you're giving us a little bit of extra time. Um, yes. Any, any, any final words? Like, I can't. I mean, I don't know you about you, Dan, but I can't thank Matt enough for the time you gave today. The number of players oh, we went through, the evaluations, the nonsense questions we went through, and and somehow you still pulled great nuggets of information out of all the nonsense. So, so you, you're great at cutting through it all. Uh, well, I, Dan, I don't know. If, I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think this was some fantastic stuff. I mean, you know, just kind of a nice, uh, you know, just skipping through the RSP here. Uh, you know, there's just so much more to it. But, you know, just we're, we're, we're just touching the surface yeah. along the way, you know, just yeah. kind of like a, a stone skipping across the lake. That's that's what we've been doing here. And, uh, you know, there's there's definitely a lot more underneath the surface of the water than uh than what you're getting here so make make sure you get that rsp and uh and get underneath the water do, do some scuba diving and uh find out what's under there yeah. matt anything else for you to you to plug in you got the rsp i think i heard you on the christopher harris podcast you had a couple of gofundmes to i mean in, in anything that you want to talk about here just want to make sure you get any any of your your rightful plugs in for all the time that you gave us here tonight I appreciate that. I want to do two things then. And I'm going to share one thing in a minute here for you guys to share when I pull this up. Um, and But the, first of all, with the RSP, you know, you have the pre-draft and post-draft publication. It's available for $21.95 at mattwaldman.com. You're also put on a newsletter throughout the year. Um, and that newsletter um, gives you updates on this class as well as the next class. So it's a great deal from that perspective. There's also the RSP projections and dynasty rankings where I give you two years worth of projections. Um, it's not for two years running, but like I'll give you like for the year that you buy it, you get projections for 2022 as well as an early look at 2023. And then I give you a, a win now and, and, and long build cheat sheet that I keep updated with tiers um, with those players that I update multiple times throughout the year. That's available for $24.95 at mountwalman.com. And know that 50, that up to $5,000 is donated every year to Darkness to Light, an organization devoted to preventing sexual abuse of children. Um, April is National Sexual uh, National National Child Abuse Prevention Month. Um, so it coincides pretty well there with that. It 
um, the organization is a top rated charity that does a great job of being able to train people and organizations on how to prevent sexual abuse, as well as how to handle it appropriately when it is reported so it doesn't compound the trauma for the victim. Um, and we've given, the RSP has given um, over $50,000 oh, awesome. um, to that charity wow. since for the past 10 years. Awesome, um, man. So yeah, real awesome. proud of that. And I don't normally do GoFundMes, but um, a, a fantasy player who was a football guy subscriber for a long time and who was an RSP subscriber in the past as well. Um, contact means is John Hodgins and John was a, um, you know, he spent almost 25 years working at a hospital in Modesto County, California, retired, had a little bit of a nest egg with his wife, rented a house out in the Sierra mountains and, um, basically, experienced the home invasion. Um, the guy shot up the place, cracked his skull in four places. Um, besides the trauma, the the landlord at that point was like, I'm out of being a landlord. I'm going to sell this place. You guys are going to have to leave. And as a result of that, he's been in and out of a homeless state for the past three years trying to do it on his own. And they're living in like a dilapidated trailer outside of, um, I believe, in Oregon, but they're trying to move closer to their daughter and have a base so that everybody in the family can kind of be in a good position and he's dealing with kidney disease. And you just imagine people, if you've ever experienced poverty or, you know, people have experienced poverty, you know, it's usually one thing after another mm -hmm. when you get into that cycle and he's been in that cycle and trying to get out of it. And so I've been notifying people and kind of promoting this since after the Super Bowl. Um, we've been managed to go from raising about he had about $350 in account. He's over 80% of the way to his goal. And this will help him and his wife get to where they need to be. Um, and I know that John is appreciative of any type of donation, as well as if you can't donate, even if you can't donate, you know, five or 10 bucks and you just need, and you can share it, sharing yeah. it may get you someone who might be able to help him. We had someone who's like, might be able to help him find a job, you know, in a sense that can coincide with, you know, what his health issues are and still be able to do some work in from that perspective. Um, so you might, you might, you might just end up getting it in front of the eyes of somebody who can really do a lot more either in terms of money or resources. So, you know, please give that some consideration if you don't mind. And, and again, thank you for letting me be able to share all that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't I'm, mind, uh, just dropping us the link to this, uh, yes, after the show is over and, and I'll uh, put it in the private chat right now. Awesome. You're, 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 you're a great person, kind heart and uh, great for the fantasy community. This, this, this was awesome, Matt. I appreciate well, that. Well, thank the you. Yep. You know, um, okay. So I, yep. and, and, and also by the way, you're, you're too nice. I've been saying Matt Wolman, rsp.com. You should, you should, should have been saying is Matt correcting me the whole time. So, sorry, no, sorry for getting they're both, they're both right. They're, oh, they're, they're both, both right. Oh, because it, right. No, it's my, it's my problem. See, like I have okay. to, I have to combine the two sites. You can learn more about the RSP at mattwaldmanrsp.com. Oh, good. If you just want okay. to forget all that and just buy it, you go to mattwaldman.com. Oh, thank so, God. Okay. So I was going to have all good. the editors have to, have to no, cut you, the show. No, you were perfect with what you did. <laughs> There's no editors here, Matt. Um, yes. Okay. That, that's awesome. Uh, that's I, what my boss used to say at UGA when I was an editor for 10 years. So there you go. Oh, so good. Nice. Uh, well, well, look, guys, I did I did my best JD and, and Theo impression. I, I know I know I know the people who, who are expecting their regular dose of them were disappointed that they got my nonsense. But you can find me at AM Schellenberg. Dan, how about you? And we'll get Matt and we'll get we'll get everyone out of here. Yeah, you can find me at overhyped sweeper, drop the final E from sweeper, and uh and Matt uh, 
just as, as your name looks is, is how it's spelled at Matt Waldman. Yep. And uh, thank you. Thank you all for being here with us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, tomorrow night too. Hold on, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I think there's a show tomorrow night, right? Yes, we do have a show tomorrow night with, with uh, Scott Connor, who was uh, Charles B. Chill on Twitter. And uh, we're going to we're gonna get deep into some dynasty theory there. Uh, spending a little bit of time talking about all the non-player part of Dynasty. So uh, make sure you're looking forward to that. It's going to be a great conversation. Uh, Scott is just, I, I think, one of the, the brightest minds in Dynasty when it comes to theory. So uh, make sure you check that out too. And thank you all for being here. Um, again, make sure you're checking out the FFPC. Make sure that you're checking out Underdog. Uh, Check out Viridian Global if you're looking for some good fantasy football gear. And last but not least, make sure you check. We're gonna we're gonna post that uh, GoFundMe uh, from Matt. Absolutely. So make sure you check that out too. We for really sure. appreciate that, and we are gonna check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. Trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Matt.